Hello, Marvelites. Welcome to episode 369 of This Week in Marvel. I'm Ryan, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm Jamie, a.k.a. Agent Abundance. And this week, our top news is Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has officially been renewed for a seventh season. Lucky number seven. Yeah, that news hit late last week after we went live with the show, but it is such a ding-dang big deal that I just could not not include it. Uh, this week, our big talk is about some fun Thanksgiving stories you can read, and our interview is with Mr. Greg Stone, comedian. Super fun time on that one. But now, on to things we're hyped about this week, comma, including news. It is our Thanksgiving week here in the U.S. where we're getting ready. And one thing I'm thankful for this week is video games. I'm about to spend a few days off mostly probably reading comics and playing video games while my wife is out of town. I'm very much into it. I love her, but I got to do what I got to do while she's away. That said, we had big games and comic book news hit this week with the announcement that Marvel and Riot Games are teaming up to publish League of Legends comics and graphic novels. This begins December 19th with League of Legends Ash War Mother. These issues releasing digitally starting December 19th with the graphic novel on sale this coming May. The first title, this one, Ash Warmother, is an origin story for League of Legends champion Ash and is to be written by Riot Games writer Odin Austin Schaefer. What a great name. An amazing name. Also, his comics writing debut. Yes. Yeah. With art by Nina Vacueva, whose manga e style art you can see in a book called Heavy Vinyl. She is so dang good. I'm excited to see her doing more for Marvel with this. More art and details can be found on Marvel.com. And I, I just guess this means I'll have to try my hands at League of Legends. I mean, why not? You've got it all weekend. I know. And uh, we had a tweet in here from Amanda, our buddy, Ah Francis, who said, hashtag, so excited, hashtag, best news ever. She needs to know more. Will this be covered on the show? Amanda, that's all the information we have literally right now. But get excited because the first issue is a month away. Yeah, next month. And there's some really awesome preview art by Nina Vacueva on Marvel.com. And uh, yeah, it's just gonna it's just going to start coming before you know it. Last week, we talked about some of the uh, the comics news that was coming out because the catalog for comics hitting in February is is actually uh, this week. So one of the fun pieces is the age of X-Men begins in February. We can't give many details right now, but we've got art for these books and some titles on Marvel.com. And I wanted to read off some of these because I'm I'm genuinely super into these. You have The Marvelous Age of X-Men, which is going to be by Lonnie Nadler and Zach Thompson, art by Marco Faila. The Age of X-Men Next Gen by Ed Brisson and Marcus Toe. Age of X-Men, The Amazing Nightcrawler. Friggin' Nightcrawler series. I'm very excited because written by Shauna McGuire, art by Juan Fergari. Yes. Got Age of X-Men, The Extremists, uh, cover for this one by Raza is so cool. Written by Leah Williams, art by George Gianti, and Age of X-Men, Apocalypse and the Extracts, which looks so trippy and weird, written by Tim Seeley, art by Salva Espin, and Age of X-Men, Prisoner X, which is written by Vita Ayala and art by Herman Peralta. I'm really into these. Six, five-issue limited series, big stuff happening in here. If you like, you know, the, the Age of Apocalypse type stuff, I think this is going to be right up your alley. Um, from the, the X-Universe over to a little bit more reality-based, y'all know I'm a big fan of the Disney parks. There was some concept art revealed for the Spider-Man attraction coming to Disney California Adventure. It looks really cool. See that on Marvel.com. I need to go there right now. More things we're hyped about. Our Mondo episode, the audio and the video version. Both of those, they're out right now. Uh, plus, on Marvel.com, you can see the art. We'll make sure that there's a link to all that stuff. Uh, one last thing I saw was that our intrepid reporter, Eric Goldman, posted about a Hella Hot Toys figure. Oh, yeah, he did. <sighs> so good. She's like hammer-breaking good. Yeah, they're so detailed, these Hot Toys figures. I really, really want that one. So check that out. And, there, yeah, there's so much going on. And, of course, we had an episode of Marvel's Pull List. Our favorite books from this week are Mortal Hulk, Number nine, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur number 37, West Coast Avengers number four, and Web of Venom Carnage Born number one. Some fun books this week. Now it's time to talk about some older books. Our section, our chitty chatty section now is about Thanksgiving comics. 
you know, here in these wonderful United States of America, we celebrate Thanksgiving on the fourth Thursday of November as a way to say thanks for, for who and for what we have. And uh, there are definitely other reasons and a lot of discussions that happen about them. And we ain't getting into all that. We are going to get into five fabulous Thanksgiving-centric comics you can read right now. We'll have links in our Marvel.com article, as well as a link to the story with even more Thanksgiving comics to read. We had something like 15, 16 total that we we dug up, uh, which is pretty neat. But here are the five that we wanted to spotlight. I'm going to start us off with a 1986 ditty called Power Pack. I'm sure many of you know Power Pack, but if you don't, uh, we're going to get into that. It is written by Louis Simonson, art by Brett Anderson and Scott Williams, inks by Terry Austin, Scott and Sam De La Rosa, colors by Janet Jackson. I'm guessing... That sounds amazing. A different Janet Jackson, not Rhythm Nation Janet Jackson, but a different Janet. Hey, props to the artist Janet Jackson. (laughs) Letters by Joe Rosen. All right, so real quick... Power Pack. They are four young siblings who get superpowers. They had a friend who's a weird horse alien, and he's he's all white. He's pretty cool. They become friends with lots of superheroes. They fight these weird reptile aliens. It's a lot of fun. It ran for six-ish years uh, back in the 80s. Um, its characters have been around. Julie Powers, one of the kids, most recently was in Runaways because she was in a romance with Carolina. But this is them as kids. And Wheezy, Louise Simonson, was writing the heck out of stuff at Marvel at the time. This was a giant-sized issue in 1986. It is set on Thanksgiving Day around the big parade in New York City. But the book opens with five-year-old Katie, I believe the youngest of the four. She's training with a Morlock. Morlocks are the mutants who live in the sewers of New York City. They're sort of outcasts, but a lot of them have good hearts. Katie is inviting people to come to Thanksgiving dinner. It is so cute, and she just wants people to come to this party. But the issue is kind of heavy. It has Cloak and Dagger, Beta Ray Bill, Franklin Richards, and Mutants. Despite all that, it feels super real. Like a family would be going through sadness and, and tough things, and one member of the family is trying to bring them all together to show them what they really need is each other and their friends and love. I especially love Katie bringing together all her friends who don't have family or their family lives far away. She's five years old and she's thinking about all these other people. And my mom has always been a big Thanksgiving person. That's her holiday. Every year uh, she tells me, bring more people, bring more people. If they don't have somewhere to go, bring them to our house. I got a text from her a week and a half ago (laughs) just saying that like, if anybody needs a place to come for Thanksgiving, you know, let me know. And, you know, this issue actually got me a little choked up, to be honest. It, it, you know, while it's heavy, it ends up being a super sweet story uh, and one of my favorites when it comes to Thanksgiving. Well, I'm going to call your mom Agent Mom. That works. I like that a week and a half ahead of time. She's already like, I'm ready. Just bring him in. My mom cooks a practice turkey in Does like September. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Even oh, I though love it. she needs no practice, it's great. So my pick, my first Thanksgiving pick, was Franklin Richards' Happy Thanksgiving, number one. It was written by Chris Eliopoulos and Mark Sumarak, and it was described to me by Mr. Agent M as very Calvin and Hobbes. And that's what makes me really, really love it, because this is definitely not as heavy as Power Pack. It's very light, it's very cute, and it's very fun, and it's just Franklin Richards getting into his dad's inventions and getting himself into mischief with Herbie the robot and it's got a few stories in the first one he um, gets a hamster that he really wishes were a dog so he tries to make it bigger and it becomes much bigger so big in fact that it needs to go outside and destroy the city but it's all good because it's just a hamster and I'm sure it just like chewed on some paper somewhere just left it wherever because it's New York City and who would even notice (laughs) so there is telepathy terror where he puts on a mind-reading device, and he finds out that somebody has it out for him, and he's seeing all these scenarios where Franklin is being captured, and it may or may not be Herbie. I'm sure Herbie and my Franklin get along great, but maybe they have a little, you know, disagreement from time to time. In addition to Telepathy Terror is Speed Demon, where Franklin gets a little upset that he lost a race at school, so he wants to be very fast, and he becomes very fast. He becomes a little too fast. And he doesn't really know how to slow down. But it's super cute. I love how they depict his speed. 
Now it's just little tons and tons of little Franklins running all over the place. Uh, that's Chris. Chris is so cute. Such an amazing cartoonist. For listeners to Marvel's Apollos, whenever we talk about the lettering in comics and we say VCs, whomever, VC stands for Virtual Calligraphy, which is the company created and owned by Chris Eliopoulos. So Chris is sort of his hand is in so many comics in one way, shape, or form. It's a good hand to have in comics. The last story is Turkey Trouble. It goes into a little weirder territory, which I really loved. Franklin enters a dimension in which his parents and his family are all turkeys. And then he comes back to Thanksgiving dinner with a big turkey on the table, and he finds that upsetting. Yeah, that's (laughs) the the Thanksgiving story and all this in this issue. And, you know, we did these Franklin stories, these one-offs every now and then. There's now a collection out. You can get them all. But I I like this. It's He teleports to a different universe. Herbie's with him. And they're all turkey versions of people. And the the turkey version of the thing looks so weird. Yes, it does. Uh, (laughs) He's got, like, stone feathers, kind of. It's great. The thing with a beak is always a little... Yeah. Seeing that's like, I guess that's what that would look like. Yeah. All right. Next book is Uncanny X-Men number 308, written by Scott Lubdell, art by John Romita Jr., Dan Green, Alve, and Steve Buscellato. Letters by Chris Eliopoulos. Oh. Think about it. This is Uncanny X-Men 308. This week is Uncanny X-Men number two, but is also 621. So it's half the run ago of Uncanny X-Men is this issue, which is wild. It's like 92-ish, somewhere in there. But this is one of those chill types of X-Men stories that I love. I think we were talking about these recently that when we had Jordan on, these stories that happen in the aftermath of major events where they're like the quiet before the storm of the lives that are the X-Men's world. In here, there's a touch football game on the campus. You have Jubilee and Beast bouncing around the grounds and like driving people nuts. People trying to explain football to Bishop, the time traveler who comes from a dystopian future where there is no fun is tremendous. (laughs) Uh, You have friggin' Gambit and his ridiculous outfit. But the this is also a really important part for the lives of Cyclops and Jean Grey. It's in here where Jean and Scott officially become engaged and they, they reflect on their whole lives. They, they are thankful for having each other, for having their friends, their family. You get this wonderful big Thanksgiving dinner. Professor Xavier gives a speech. Jubilee's sassy. It is just... Terrific family-style X-Men. No big mutant Michigas, just good times. I love it. My second pick was Spider-Gwen number 14, written by Jason Latour, with art by Robbie Rodriguez and Chris Visions. Oh, poor Gwen. Her dad's in jail. She's feeling tons and tons of guilt over what happened to Peter Parker. Her powers are gone. And... This Earth's Matt Murdock is just not nearly as fun and cool as the one on Earth's 616. He's... He's a, a word I should not be saying on a PG Plus yeah. podcast. Does PG Plus allow the words that describe this Matt Murdock? No. I don't know about that. We'll say he's a mean, nasty jerk. Yeah, that works. But fortunately, he's not around for very long. So let's take a look at the nice parts of this book, which there are some. And while it's a pretty heavy story and it deals with a lot of Gwen's sadness and her guilt, dig a little bit and you find the nice parts. And one of those is a really prime Spider-Gwen view of the New York City Thanksgiving parade. So that's pretty sweet. You know, I, I love seeing the different versions of the parade in the various comics. Of the, I was going through the full list of the books that we pulled, and we get the parade in a couple different places. In Power Pack, we see the parade. I love looking at the floats. In Power Pack, you see Kermit, and there's Mighty Mouse, <laughs> and Smokey the Bear. I believe Kermit is in at least one other issue. Mighty Mouse may be in another one as well. And in here, there's a Captain America balloon because the cap of this universe, Samantha Wilson, she's great. She's an awesome cap. And she gets her own balloon. And then I I think in our reality, we've had Spider-Man balloons. I know a lot of people in the office have helped walk the Spidey balloon (gasps) in the years that they've done it. What an honor. Uh, And I think this year there's a Goku balloon for me and the other Dragon Ball heads, uh, (laughs) which I'm, I'm psyched for. It's very cool. So I really feel for Gwen. For me, the Spidey stories are always so heavy because of the guilt that, whether it's Gwen or Peter, what they're carrying. And 
that's why I've why so many people love the spider stories is because you feel them. You really feel for them and what they go through. And it's not easy to just be a hero. And Gwen's going through a lot of that. And the holidays only amplify that. There's also a really fun visit from Jessica Drew and her baby. Yeah. And I love that. I mean, it's like, cute. That it's friendship fun. is fun. It is super fun. Yeah. And uh, Roger's there and he's being a good dude. Yeah. Gwen gives a speech where she says, quote, I can't lie. I feel lonely a lot, especially at the holidays. I always have, even when everyone I love is around. And that would that would really like that. I connect with that. People, I've talked about it, I think, on the show a bunch. Uh, I'm not a holidays guy. It goes into a lot of deeper things for me. And I won't talk about here, but the holidays make me blue. It is a tough time for me, but I try. And I, I like these stories. I gravitate towards the sadder stories around the holidays. But like, I like that Gwen feels that, but she has people that she connects with. I think that's really sweet. I really love that about this issue because there is a lot to say about living in the present and just even for a little while, even for one day or a few hours, just being around the people who love you and support you and trying your very, very best to allow yourself not to think about what's going on in the past or what might happen in the future and all of the pain and heartache that it might cause. Just allowing yourself to feel good for a little while and know that you're loved. That's a really special part of Spider-Gwen and... Every time I read Spider-Gwen, I love her more. She's pretty great. She's pretty great. All right. Last of our five is Vision and the Scarlet Witch from late 1985, I believe. I love some 80s stuff, man. It's written by Steve Englehart, art by Richard Howell, Frank Springer, Adam Phillips, letters by Parker and Oakley. First things first, I love the cover here. It's got the big text, the mutant who came to dinner. It's got the people in their costumes around a Thanksgiving table. Namor in his little undies. Doctor Strange with like a drink, but also looking like he's dancing. It is so good. And then you get inside. And I one of the things I love is the old school style introductions for everyone at the party. It is very classic comic books. But, you know. It works here because that's what you do at a party. You're like, hey, this is so-and-so, my accountant. Here's so-and-so, my you know, barber. Here's so-and-so, my foot massagist. Whatever it is, you go through, you introduce everybody, and everybody has to sort of mingle. It's a lot of fun. But then Magneto rolls into the party, having been invited by Wanda, and oh boy, people have opinions. But it oh. makes sense. Seems like that was too nice of a thing for them to do. But they're trying. They're they're trying to be civil and polite. There's always that one person who shows up to a holiday gathering one year and everybody's like, huh. And uh, <laughs> one of my favorite WTF moments in this issue is Namor. He's about to leave. He rolls up to Wanda. Mind you, she's pregnant with the twins that she conjures up with her own chaos magic. But we don't know that at the time. Namor rolls up to her. And it's basically like, I always had the hots for you. And now that you're pregnant, you're even more radiant. Hotse, tatse. That's not awkward or yeah. weird. And she's Name just more. like, cool. And Vision's <laughs> like, yeah, man, what's up? Because uh, Vision is Wanda's husband. It's it's a whole thing. I love comic books and I love Avengers and their weird dynamics and the family stuff. It is a proper holiday family gathering story. Oh, and there's a really great panel with just everybody at the table. Very yes. Norman Rockwell. Now, you guys can check out. We're going to put the link together for the full list of all the comics that are being written about. Uh, we'll make sure that these are listed as well so you can read them on Marvel Unlimited. And, yeah, we hope you all have a very wonderful Thanksgiving if you're celebrating. But that's not the end of the show. We have our interview this <laughs> week, which is with comedian Greg Stone. Greg's got an album coming soon. We don't have a date yet, but he does have a podcast called The Rad Dude Cast. Check him out. He's Great. You'll see how nerdy he is, like modifying action figure level nerdy. Oh. He's legit. It's a lot of fun. He's very serious. Check him out right now. Greg, thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah. Greg, what is your Marvel origin story? How did you first get exposed and excited about Marvel? Um, I couldn't read when I was a kid. So my dad just bought me comic books. I would look at the pictures and then that's kind of how I learned how to read was through that. Then I found out in third grade, I just had double vision. I couldn't read because I couldn't see. So no one knew. I literally was in a baseball game and a ball was coming to my face, smashed me in the face. And the coach was like, I think this kid needs glasses. And my parents, they took me to get glasses. And I was like, oh yeah, he's not. They, they literally, would, they were trying to put me in a school for handicapped children. Cause they were like, yeah, he's mentally disabled. He can't read, he should be at this level and all this. And then the coach was just like, no, 
He's blind. He's blind and he's too shy to tell you. So that's how I started with comic books. So you had double vision. Does that mean you saw two balls coming at your face and you didn't think to run between them? <laughs> no. Yeah, it was a thing that you don't necessarily realize you have until they kind of figure it out. So you get hit in the face with a baseball. So I was getting hit in the face with a baseball. I was also nearsighted. I couldn't see far. But I was like also really good at context clues. So I would get my homework done by being like, well, I think this is what would happen. And that's how I would like pass tests. It was like crazy. Yeah, I've been wearing glasses since I was like five. And I like the way you say you're good at context clues because my vision is so bad. Some colors just get washed away. Yeah. And so you just have to understand, okay, that's that's a thing that I think is whatever it is. So yeah. I'm going to work around that. And when you're little, you don't know that it should be better. Yeah. So you're like, oh, this is just life. That man is a blob. That's a blurry thing. I know blurry thing. Blurry thing brings me food. Like, I'll go hang out with blurry thing. She smells good. It's like, oh, that's your mother. And I put my glasses on. I was like, wow, she has a face. What's a face? It's crazy. Yeah, I am also very nearsighted. I wear contacts. Yeah, yeah. And the first time I realized I needed glasses was when I looked at the blackboard and thought I saw spider webs on it. But it made sense because it was it was October. It was around Halloween. Yeah. We just got back from Disney World and I wasn't very caught up. So I just figured... Teacher was drawing spider webs on the board, <laughs> and then I walked past, and I was like, "Oh, that's my homework. <laughs> I should do that." That'd be great if you came in the school the next day, like I have my homework done. It's just a handful of spiders. Spiders. <laughs> there you are. Like, ah! here are the spiders you asked for. <laughs> that makes sense for you, though. <laughs> it would. Yeah, that's a very on brand for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you're a stand-up as yeah, yeah. well as a Marvel fan. Yeah, yeah. Do they ever meet in between? This kind of sucks because this is the first time it ever did. Everything I've ever written for, worked on, has always been like sports related, politics. And I'm like, I hate all of this. <laughs> all of this. And then my manager was like, why don't we try to go and have you hang out with Marvel? And I'm like, why did no one think of that? <laughs> I make custom action figures in my basement. Why has no one thought that I should be aiming myself more towards comic oriented things? But yeah, no, I mean, for the most part, this is kind of like the first time I'm really delving into a lot of this. I hang out in a lot of weird chat rooms with custom action figure people. Yeah. Okay. No, I mean, I got okay. weird friends all over That's the country. Okay. Yeah. Great. There's, yeah, a, yeah. there's a thing for everybody, everywhere, somewhere. Yeah. Now it's kind of accepted a little bit more. But when I started, it was not accepted. <laughs> and I'm not such, like, you might not think I'm that nerdy when you meet me. So I would just take all my action figures off of my wall, take all my shelves down when I would have girls come over. So I literally had a – I was dating this girl for three months, and she'd come into my room, and she's like, when are you going to move in? When are you going to get stuff? And I'd be like, what are you talking about stuff? Like, my room's empty, like my heart before I met you. Like, I was romantic. Like, let's say cool, like things like that. Uh-huh. And then one day – my roommate, this guy Omar, he let her in. She comes into my room. She sees all my Marvel Legends. She sees all my G.I. Joes. And she was like, I don't even know you. <laughs> and I was like, this is just who I am. It was like she walked in on me and then we broke up. Like, it was wild. That's keeping secrets, bro. Yeah, That's... I get it, but yeah. I also wasn't comfortable. See, yeah, I've had experiences like this where it's like, she's not breaking up with you because of the action figure. She's breaking up with you because of the lies. Well, yeah. So... Well, also, yeah. Just I... put it out there. <laughs> we well, might as well know. This week in relationship talk is going real well, but I yeah. want to dig more into oh, sure. your action figure collection. What's the prize piece? Oh, man. See, that's the thing. It's like, my prize pieces aren't things that are, like, expensive. Like, I have a custom figure that someone made for me. He actually made me the entire 90s X-Force team, but the second costumes, remember when, uh, I don't remember exactly who drew it, but it was, like, the blue and Cannonball had, like, the yellow stripes. He made me that whole team. And that, to me, it's, like, the fact that this kid made them for me, it was kind of, like, sweet. So he made those for me, and I have them, and that's up there. And I also have a few things that my my lady got for me that I was like, yeah, this is just not a great figure, but... You know, I'll keep it forever. She's going to be listening to this being like, wait, what? Oh, I thought yeah. it was really, really she's, important. She's really going to wonder which ones. That's where you're wrong because she hasn't listened to or watched anything I do. And that's why we're still together. <laughs> she's going to listen to this one. As I may have said before, I played with action figures as well. That's awesome. My brother and I combined our He-Man and She-Ra action figures and had an entire living room that's awesome. of scenarios. You set your action figures up in scenarios and take pictures of them on Instagram, which I think is the best. Oh, because yeah. have you been doing that and taking pictures of it like for a long time? No, I don't know why I even started. It's crazy. <laughs> I love it. But I would just take pictures just to show my friends. Like as a joke, I'm like, yeah, this is what I'm up to. I used to be straight edge. So the reason I got really back into figures as I was older was because my friends would buy drinks. And I was like, well, I'm going to spend my money on something I can have, which is this toy. And Smart. I would just buy these toys. And then I started drinking later. So now I'm just drunk and have a ton of toys, and I buy more when I'm drunk. So it's really, I really double down. So this is the thing I do, right? People go, do you play with them? 
And I go, I don't play with them. No. I set them up, and then they talk to each other, but I don't move them around. Yeah. I'm not going kapow. But, uh, Silly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's how I do most of my writing, is I set them up, and then I'll take random figures that'll be like, oh, like, why would this guy hang out with this guy? That's how I come up with a lot of different storylines. Or then, like, for when I was a kid, the G.I. Joes were never the G.I. Joes who they were. They were the people I was writing. My brother had a Viper figure, and his whole thing was Viper had a bar, and everyone would go to the bar to hang out. Ninja Turtles would be hanging out with Barbies, and they would all talk. And it wasn't even violent, but it was like, that's how we started writing all these stories. For me, I lost a lot of toys over time. We moved or whatever, like, yeah. um, as a kid. Did you ever run through that? Did you, Jamie, like... Losing your toys and then having to get them back again. Oh, yeah. So I have three quick things about that. Two stories was I got Silverhawks. Do you remember Silverhawks? Oh, yeah. They were bird people. They were oh, bird. I think I remember Shiny them. bird people. Space people that flew. But you're in space. Why do you need to fly in space? No gravity. Can do, no just, you can just doesn't matter. move it's around. Great. They were wonderful. Yeah. So I got a Silverhawk and my brother, because my brother was older than me, and he goes, yeah, dude, what's great about these figures is they actually fly. So I literally took it out of the package, went upstairs, threw it out my window, broke it immediately. And my brother was just like, ha, 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 you dummy. <laughs> like, yeah, story one. Story two, I had Battle Beasts. Remember Battle Beasts? Yeah, I love my, them. My favorite Battle Beast was this little rabbit guy, right? And he it was my favorite. I brought him everywhere. I loved him. I picture him. him in my yeah, head. my brother, I walk outside one day. My brother was six foot three, like, and he's just digging this giant hole. And I'm like, hey, Joe, what are you doing? He goes, nothing, come here. I walk over, he grabs the rabbit, throws it in the hole, fills the hole. No. And like, I was too small to like get down and grab it. And it's still, you go down to Chester Avenue in Bloomfield, dig him up. He's still there. We couldn't find him. For my brother's wedding, he gave me a new one in a little box filled with dirt. It was pretty sweet. That's adorable. Yeah. Oh man, we had great action figures back we in the did. day, didn't we? Yeah. Remember the, what was it, insect toys? What was the thing? Like, there was like... Uh, they were like puppets? Yeah, there were the puppet ones. That freaked me out as a kid. Yeah. I don't know why I had them, but yeah. we did. Everybody in the toy industry was on drugs, and they were all trying to make that Ninja Turtle money. So they were like, hey, what will you do? I don't know. What about a barnyard? But they fight. Barnyard commandos. Put it in a... <laughs> food we'll fighters. Sell them. Food fighters. Food fighters. So Thund good. Thundercats. 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 Yeah. yeah. You had Ninja Turtles? You like Ninja Turtles? I... Loved the Ninja Turtles so very hard. Yeah. I wanted Raphael to be like a human. I didn't want to like go out with a turtle. Yeah. But I wanted the human version of Raphael to exist in real life because I am very gravitated towards jerks. Exactly. Yeah. Who you and, like yeah. as a Ninja Turtle says so much about who you are. Yeah. Like the nerds like Donatello. The preppies like Leonardo and the idiots like Michelangelo and then all the jerks like Raphael. <laughs> so I was like, I found out who I am. I love Leonardo and I'm more of a Michelangelo type of person because I'm really kind of a dummy. But I always like the stern but just, you know, it's like good at all costs, you know, and it's yeah. like, I loved Leonardo. I love Cyclops. I don't care. I'm a big Cyclops fan. No one likes Cyclops. Yeah, I saw your tweet. Yeah. It was in August. You had tweeted, quote, Cyclops is the best. Please defend <laughs> your position, sir. Look, in comic books, it's fun to see the Wolverine. Would you want to be friends with Wolverine in real life? No. He's going to be a jerk. He's going to steal your girlfriend. He's always smoking. Like, it's not fun. Cyclops is the guy who, when you get a divorce, he'll be there for you. You're in trouble. He's going to be there, the guy with the check. He is the dad you want. He's not the guy coming home drinking and yelling at your mother. He's the guy who goes, he gets you through college. He's not fun, but he's there for you. And I want that. One of my favorite comic panels of all was Astonishing X-Men. The Sentinel breaks through the roof and Cyclops just like takes off his visor blows everything out and then Wolverine is just like sometimes I forget why you're the leader and it's like yeah man that's who he is he's amazing I will fight anyone who wants to not defend Cyclops he's not my favorite but I love him and I think he's underplayed Sweet. all right all right that's so I'll Leonardo of him yeah he is he's very Leonardo Aww. but he's not fun to read <laughs> he can be I think with, with the right like you're saying yeah, with Astonishing Action with the right writer the right creator it clicks yeah. it makes sense uh, before we get off of the action figure topic though I want to talk a little bit more about the customizing because yeah, yeah. that's super cool oh, I used it? to work you're the first person who's ever said that to me I'm it very is. intrigued by this yeah. I got started in this at Toy Fair magazine mm -hmm. uh, which yes. was yeah the sister publication of Wizard and I was writing about military toys and weird stuff that I had no business writing about as like a 21 year old but when I worked at Toy Fair we would get custom action figures made we would do like Fumetti type stuff we would do all that and so I I love that how'd you get into customizing well one of them was from Wizard we make your own heroes where people would send in old figures okay. I used to like that but then what happened was Marvel Legends, when they first came out, they were only putting out four at a time. And so they weren't making figures fast enough for me. And I wanted an Archangel figure. 
And then I saw there was a spawn figure for Redeemer, and he had these great wings. And I was like, hey, what if I take these wings, you know, like I can fashion them on to a Silver Surfer or something, and then I use an old He-Man head. Remember when they redid He-Man? Like 2002-ish, they did like a yeah. cool He-Man cartoon. I took that head, and it was like, oh, I can do that. I'm not very good. I'm not artistic, but my brother was like, you don't have to be. With like tape, and if you just take your time, you can do this stuff. And I painted the whole figure, and my brother drew the halo for Archangel on the on the chest, and I was like whoa, this is awesome. And then I started later seeing that other people were doing it too. It was kind of cool to be like, oh, what do you do? How did you get that? How are you like, oh, I need to like take the figure apart. I was just painting on top of it. And as a comedian, to be honest with you, I need my little Zen moments and painting. I, I listen to my podcast, my music. I just, I get out there. I'm not worried about my career. I'm not worried about anything. I just do a little painting and then I have something when I'm done. And it's like really like a fun thing to do. Do you have any advice for, you know, if someone were to like want to start getting into it, what's the first step? It's the advice that I give everybody for everything, which is just do it. Just do it. I don't believe in talent. I think talent is bull. I believe in putting as much time, as much hard work into something. If you want to do it, have fun with it. Enjoy yourself and happy failing. You know, like it's the same thing with comedy. It's like just have fun doing stand-up and you're not going to be good for a while. And if you are, you're lucky. And then just keep 10,000 hours. Just keep doing it and doing it and doing it until you're great. Obviously, you're a big Marvel fan. You've got deep knowledge. What is your dream Marvel team? If you had to put together like a squad, either heroes or villains, <laughs> like you can mix them up. Yeah. What do you make as your dream Marvel team? Oh man, that's like a, okay. So I would do an Avengers team and I would have Cyclops be the leader because I've always thought. Bold. Yes. Right off that's the bold Yeah, choice. because okay. I want Captain America to be like, I've been keeping my eye on you. You're great at being a leader. We need a great leader. Boom, you got Cyclops in there. He's the leader, right? Then, all right, Captain America is one of my favorites, but we have a leader, so I don't really need him. But I would love to have him. Maybe he just hangs out. Maybe they just hang out together. Um, Cap and his regular, I'm just going to hang out phase. Yeah. You know, like, oh, <laughs> what's up, guys? Actually, my dream team, actually get rid of Cyclops, would be Ares, Red Hulk, Hulk, Hercules, and the Sentry driving in a car, kicking the hell out of people. Just going from planet to planet, town to town, people not even knowing what's up. They just show up in Brooklyn and it's like a robbery and it's just the toughest, baddest people and they're just like flicking people. And like, I would just love to see the beefiest team of just kind of like, not necessarily the smartest guys, you know, nope. but just having a good time. Thor, just beating everybody up. And I just picture them in like an old beetle. You know, like the old car, and they're all just stuffed in, and they're all just like driving around. I think I would just love to see that. I just picture Red Hulk just annoyed with everyone with his mustache, be like, shut up back there. Yeah. Like, his arms trying to steer the car. And I'm a big Sentry guy. Yeah. I think he's just such a great character. Yeah. But I would love to just see more Sentry too. All right. So we've got the beefy team, but what about the Cyclops team? I would call them the beefy team. The beefy team. Or, or the bulk. Ooh. The bulk. The bulk. That's is good. Great. Yeah. I'd probably go. Cyclops, Luke Cage. I love Luke Cage. I love anybody who's just a normal guy. You know, he's like, I just wear jeans, man. I love that. It's hard to just not pick my favorite people, which would be also Spider-Man, Iron Fist. It's like, yeah, I don't know. You're a big New Avengers guy, it seems like. When New that... Avengers happened, I cried. I was like, you're taking all of my favorite people and you're putting them together. It was the best. I loved New Avengers. Yeah. Your dream team is New Avengers. My dream team is New Avengers. That already happened. Yeah, yeah. It, and it Machine made Man. you cry. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of like says it all. And Machine Man. Okay. I like that. He's a good dynamic. He's just a machine. Yeah. <laughs> We've done this a hundred times. Uh, this old Machine Man comic where he just like turns into like a wheelchair. It's like, I love Machine Man. Yeah. He's machining it up. I love stupid characters. That's why, like, I think Bendis did that a lot, where it's like he would just bring in, like, these dumb old characters and be like, I want to make them great. And it's like, that's what I love. Taking the underdog and making them amazing. Tell me about your Jim Lee story. Because Jim Lee, obviously, one of the greatest pencilers in Marvel Comics history. Oh, yeah. So uh, I was at my best friend's wedding. She was getting married, and there was just a bunch of random, amazing people there. I have a big fear of looking like a fanboy, so I go too hard the opposite <laughs> way. So... My friend, she goes, you got to go meet Jim. You know, I know you're a huge fan. Just go meet him. And I go, I don't want to be a fanboy. I don't want to do that, right? So she's like, just who cares, right? So I go up to his table and uh, I was just like, hey, is anybody, um, is everybody having a good time? <laughs> you know, and I'm trying to pretend I don't know him. And so he goes, oh, Greg, hey, nice to meet you. And I was like, hi, what's your name? <laughs> Jim. And I was like, nice to meet you, right? And then uh, he was like, I heard you're a comedian. And I was like, yeah. And he was like, he's trying to clearly make me feel comfortable. So he was like, what are you, any jokes you do, right? And I was like, well, what do you do? <laughs> he goes, I'm an artist. And I was like, all right, well, uh, I'll do a joke if you draw me a picture. 
You know, I'm just literally doing this. Like, I can't believe what an idiot I am. And he goes, literally, he goes, all right, what do you want me to draw? And I go, I don't know. What, what's a superhero? Uh, well, I guess I know Batman. So he goes, yeah, I can draw Batman, right? <laughs> like, it's all right. So he starts drawing <laughs> Batman. And I go, I mean, that's not that good. <laughs> but I'm like, I'm like charismatic. And he gets I'm joking. And he goes, oh, you think you could do better? And I go, oh, yeah, right? So then... We have a draw off. And I go, I'm drawing a dragon. And you have to understand, I cannot draw. I have no artistic skills. And I'm like, here's a dragon. And he was like, yeah, but mine has rain. I was like, well, mine has rain. And he's just like, I got, I got New York in the background. He goes, well, I'm doing New Jersey. And like, he just like, now we're like having this competitive draw off. Like we're laughing and he's really, really nice. So I still have this drawing. And so my friend was like, there's a guitar player from My Chemical Romance. That was the wedding. And so it's the back of their menu is this Jim Lee drawn Batman picture, which to maybe one other person on the planet is the greatest, like, my chemical romance and Jim Lee. It's like, <laughs> it's a really very niche audience that would just go crazy. But that's my prized possession. That's the one thing of everything I own. It's, it's a great, it's just memory. It's a story. And it was like, my best friend got married. It was like a beautiful wedding. And he was great. Just did, without a doubt. Did you happen to see, he posted this on Instagram and I, it almost made me cry. He posted all of the letters that he received when he was asking to work yeah. for like different comic book things and them all telling him no. They all told Jim Lee no and he just worked harder and outworked it. And I'm like, that is the most beautiful thing in the world. My comedy career was something that was very slow and took a very long time. And like I'm 37 now and it took a long time to get the things that I want. In a lot of these things, you're in this dark room your whole life and you're just looking for the light switch and you just think you'll never find it. And then one day you hit it and it, it all comes together and it's like, oh, you just have to keep working. I wrote a goals board of all the things I wanted in my, of career-wise. And in 2016 to 2017, I crossed off none of them. In 2018, I crossed off 90% of it in two weeks. Everything happened, like, because you've just been working and preparing, then all of a sudden you're in the gym trying to, you know, get strong and no one's calling you to fight. And then one day they call you and it's like, well, you've been in the gym for seven years. You're super strong now. And then it all, like, everything starts happening. So it's that thing of just like, yeah, man, like if you love something, just keep doing it. You will get it if you just don't quit. Hell yeah. And if yourself, you know, just know who you are, right? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry to get the uh, little emotional. But... No, it's great. No, it's it great. It rings very close to home. I was trying to do comedy for a really long time. I think my, my problem was that I thought I was supposed to find that by 23. And yeah. that did not happen. And I think that's what a lot of people need to realize is just like you said, it takes a long time to find out what your thing is. Yeah. And a lot of people are going to tell you no because you're not showing them what you're supposed to be showing them yet. Yeah, yeah. No matter what field you're in, whether you're a writer, or an artist, a comedian, a musician, you're going to find it eventually if yeah. you just keep digging. Just like that action figure buried <laughs> in where, Bloomfield? Find the rabbit. Yeah, yeah, Chester Avenue. Dig up everyone's lawn until you find it. Yeah. Why am I doing this? I don't know why I'm doing this inspirational talk. That's on, great. No, on this is, you have no idea who's going to need to hear it. Someone's <laughs> yeah. going to hear it and it's going to change their life. It's an interesting thing. It's something we talk about at Marvel is everything we do is someone's first. Every comic is someone's first comic. Every podcast is someone's yep. first podcast. This is going to be someone's first exposure to you, to Jamie, to me, to whatever. Like Jamie's saying, there could be something that clicks for someone yeah. and it's going to help them. And doesn't matter if it's now or like every week I get someone being like, oh, yeah, I just started listening to This Week in Marvel from the beginning, yeah. which I highly suggest no one ever do because <laughs> the quality is terrible yeah. back then. But I applaud you and I appreciate you for doing it. And they come in and they're getting our lives through these things. And so eventually they come to this and it's like there's going to be those moments, which is so cool. Yeah, 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 totally. Also, the thing with first is like, don't be afraid of the first because that was a big thing I had a problem with was like, I didn't want to write these scripts because I was afraid they'd be bad. And it's like, no, it's supposed to be bad. You have to do a hundred of them before you realize you're any good at it. Like with stand-up, it's like the first thousand times you get up. Don't count. I was just talking to this guy, John Trusen the other day. He's like a comedy. I know John Trusen. You know John Trusen? I do know John Trusen. He had tried to teach me how to do stand-up. <laughs> he's, 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 he's a great guy and he's yes. done a lot for me. Are you from Long Island? Yeah. Oh, okay. oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those Long Island clubs. I love mm -hmm. them. Trusen is a great guy. And the first thousand times you do stand-up, don't count. You know, it's like, so people are afraid to do it their first time because they're afraid they're going to suck. And it's like, yeah, you're supposed to suck. You're supposed to do it so many times before you even get good. Yeah, I think stand-up is such a, they make it look so easy. They yeah. make it look like they're just up there talking. I wanted to ask you which Marvel character you think would be a good stand-up comedian. <laughs> I think about stuff like this all the time when somebody's got a good sense of humor 
Like, but would they be a good comedian? Yeah. Cyclops would be a great comedian. Here's why. <laughs> yeah. Tell what? me, tell me why. why. I will tell you why. Because it's a secret that not a lot of people know. The great comics have work ethic, right? If Cyclops decided he wanted to be a stand-up, that guy would outwork you. He'd be at every open mic. He'd be at every show. He's not funny now, but after five or six years, that guy will have done every single thing and he will be killing. Also, he'd be great at the business aspect. Cyclops would be emailing bookers, emailing shows. Can you do that? How did you wow. get that? He'd be the comedian you probably hate, but he would be rich. He'd be on every TV show. I mean, how many comedians do you know that aren't even that good? Like, you don't even have to be that funny, but that guy's a businessman. He'd come up one catchphrase, one line, <laughs> yeah. and he would milk it. I got one would... eye, people! <laughs> He'd be that guy, though. He'd be that kind of comedian. He's not that funny, but he's everywhere. Everywhere. And he's got a game show. And he's got a podcast. He'd be the Steve Harvey. He'd be the Steve Harvey of comedy. I love Steve Harvey. Like Family Feud, he he slays. He's good with. Yeah, sure, he's he's great. But he is on everything. Yeah, he, he has a radio show, like ten TV shows. God bless him. Man. Yeah, God bless him. You that know? guy is the workhorse. Yeah. Again, you've sold me on Cyclops. <laughs> yeah, this man. is good. You also do a podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What is uh, the Rad Dude cast about? Oh, it's called, you know, it's the Rad Dude cast. But the idea of it is it's just, we like to call it like radio art. Like, we don't really have a theme. The idea is that we just kind of, no one gets to say no. So if someone has an idea, we all have to go with it. And so, like, that has led us to some really fun and some really crazy things. Like, a lot of times we've had, like, you know, fun podcasts. And then we had one where one of us decided we should just read the script from Forrest Gump. And we just (laughs) did Forrest Gump. And the last three minutes of the podcast, after an hour, we changed the ending. But the only way to know that is you'd have to listen to us doing Forrest Gump for... 55 minutes or 45 minutes or something like that. But that's the thing. It's like we have a lot of people who like they like it, but it's like it's a little out. It's not everyone's cup of tea. I think it's the funniest thing I do. I mean, we're just all wild animals in there. That's very in the spirit of Andy Kaufman, by the way, <laughs> <laughs> reading an entire screenplay oh, and then sure. changing the last scene. But the, payoff, to, the yeah. payoff is what we care about. There's a secret episode that nobody knows about that's hidden somewhere in the country and it's on CD and we give <laughs> hints that nobody really knows, but eventually someone will find the secret episode. And uh, I, to be honest with you, no one, this is the first time I've ever telling anyone this. Like nobody even on the podcast knows that we made a CD of an episode and I hit it somewhere. And if you listen to all the episodes, you might be able to find it. I can't believe I just told you guys that. This is breaking news. Breaking news. This is crazy. That's intense. We, yeah. We never really get to do that kind of thing. It's buried with the beast. Yeah. Under it's the buried. Yes. Yeah, oh my. Oh, I should do another one. Bury it with the beast. Buried with the Beast is going to also be the name of my next album. Buried with the Beast sounds like a cool hardcore band. Yeah, it does. <laughs> yes. You also worked on The Break. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How long was production for an episode of that? Like, what was the writer's room like? I'm always fascinated by that aspect of creativity in the business. Well, Michelle Wolf, who is, I honestly think she's one of the best stand-up comedians you'll ever meet. She is literally like Cyclops. She is a work horse. The episodes would film on Thursday and we would usually start them maybe Friday night, Monday morning or whatever. And then we'd be filming whatever. So the first week we did like five days in a row that were like 16, 17 hours. Like we were like all done. Our brains were fried. My roommate, Anthony, Anthony, my guy I write with, he's like one of my best friends. We were writing, both writing on the show together. And this guy, Dan St. Germain, the three of us go into Michelle's office. We were like, we just got to see how she's doing, man. We're all burned out. We walk in, she's on a treadmill, just running. And we were like, Oh, the sh- she's going to be fine. She's going to be all right. We just put in 16 hours, three days in a row, and she's running. Like, it was wild. And it was great because I loved everybody there. It was also, like, a really cool learning experience just to know that you can do a thing that you didn't think you'd ever be able to do. Like, I'm not a political guy, and I also have ADD. So, like, to know that you can sit and do a thing. I didn't go to college. Is like It was a real big experience for me to just be like, you're not a dummy. You can do this stuff. Just sit and work, and you'll be fine. It's easy when the best material is just the truth. Yeah. And <laughs> just provides everything you need to know. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. that's the thing, right? That's why my favorite comedians are the guys who are really grabbing stuff that's like the truth that we either don't want to admit or don't want to look at. For me, I was a big Carlin guy. You know, I love George Carlin. And for me, it was like he would say stuff and I was like, oh, that's how I felt. I just didn't know how to articulate it. And you made it funny and you'd make me not feel like a jerk for thinking that way. Uh, also, of course, your stand-up stuff, you were tweeting about like recording for records. Yeah, I just recorded an album. Uh, Sunday. I feel like that would be intimidating. Well, I waited too long to do it. I think it's better to wait because then you're making sure all the material is great. So we did two shows and the first show I think went great. I think we probably got it on the first show. Great. Second show, I had a heckler heckle and I had to get off stage 
and throw this woman out for about six minutes. I had two openers. This guy, Joe List, who's the, like one of the funniest people alive. And Anthony DeVito is one of my best friends also. Super, super funny. Just two amazingly comic. She heckled both of them. Then I went on. She heckled twice. And not in a way that like just every time I would get to a punchline, she would step on the punchline. And then the third time she did it, I do a joke where I just go, I don't talk about Trump anymore because it's like a line where I go, I don't talk about Trump anymore because it divides the room. So I just say my stepfather said, and I do the jokes that way. Like, it's just like a dumb little line. As I'm saying that, she goes, F Trump. And I go, what are you doing? Like, why are you doing that? Just scream in the middle of my set. I'm like, where do you think you are? We're in Long Island City. Like, this isn't Trump country, right? So I tell her, I'm like, you got to go. Then she points to her. She goes, well, that's my boyfriend. Her boyfriend stands up. He's six foot seven ripped and i just go well this is how i die and i was like well now you all gotta leave so i just threw out an entire row and then i had to go back on stage and i did 35 more minutes and the crowd was awesome they were just really great and supportive but it's like yeah but i'm not the best i can be because i'm furious some of this material i've been working on for like 10 years and it's like and you just thought this was about you like you just made this about you i was furious we'll see how it goes that might be a bonus track i didn't tell anybody this but i'll tell you guys who cares the art which my brother is drawing so joe would you please finish the art it's it's me. So I'm thinking I'm calling the album Fat Spider-Man because I do a joke about how I wanted to be Spider-Man. I put on the costume and some little kid was like, hey, there's Fat Spider-Man. And I'm like, I just want to be regular Spider-Man. So I might call it that, but the art is going to be me with Spider-Sense going off. It's like the spider web behind me of like different scenarios. So it's like all the stories I tell broken up by the spider web thing. So it's going to be great if Joe will finish the art, please. You know, if Joe doesn't do it, you have a friend, Jim. Maybe you can hit up Jim to, to help you out with that art. I mean, I feel like if Joe's not going to come through. Yeah, I'll call Jim. Yeah, hey, what Jim. are you doing, buddy? <laughs> Want to do some uh, album art? <laughs> Oh, that'd be terrific. Oh, I have to get the family first. I have so many artist friends who are amazing, but I was like, no, my brother is doing it because my brother's an amazing artist, but it's also like, it's family. We got to have that do that together. It's kind of like a beautiful thing to me. Sorry, I this has been a very it. like sweet podcast. I, yeah. This is the way it should be. It's good. <laughs> yeah. Good stories, good times. Where can fans find you online, social media, learn more about like your tours and all that other stuff, oh, yeah. dates you're doing? Instagram, Greg F. Stone, Twitter, Greg Stone underscore. My website is uh, Greg F. Stone. Dot com and check out the Rad Dude cast. I think people will love it or you will hate it, but <laughs> we'll love to have you try it. <laughs> One or the other. Yeah. 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 You'll either no love it, hate it, or you'll think it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Thanks, Greg. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, Greg. Big thanks to Greg Stone once again. Check out the Rad Dude cast. But now it is time for community. We're taking in your questions and your comments. Kenneth Sanderson says, Glad to hear talk about my favorite X-Men stories. Since in a way they are all three the same story, I like to think of them as the Messiah Trilogy. And that goes back to the conversation we had with Ed and Kelly and Matt. Yeah, if you've never read Messiah Complex and War and, and all those, um, I would definitely check them out. They are a lot, but they are really good building blocks for understanding the X-Men, uh, especially a modern X-Men. Really good. Let's talk X-Men at Talking X-Men says, I love this interview with Jordan D. White, Matt Rosenberg, Ed Brisson, and Kelly Thompson. Just finished listening to it. Yes, we need that unresolved gateway rogue plot and more maggot and some obscure low-key character cyclops. And Ed, I thought Glob was your favorite, not Wolverine. And I believe Ed responded to this one being like, I also like Wolverine, eh? He's very <laughs> polite and Canadian. It's like, oh it. yeah, you're right there. You're right there. I also like Wolverine. I like everyone. Everyone's really great. I shouldn't make fun of Ed. He does not sound like that. No. And he really <laughs> is the sweetest dude in the world. Uh, far sweeter than Matt. Anyway, <laughs> on to uh, our friend Ron at Respiras8, that one nerd Ron, says, listened to a This Week in Marvel podcast about remembering Stanley. It was heartbreaking to listen to the fond memories shared between Lorraine and Ryan. My memory was describing his own origin story of Marvel and Joni motivated him to create his own characters at formerly known as Stanley's L.A. Comic-Con. It really was the first time I heard that story, and to watch him tell it live almost brought me to tears. Yeah. All the, the Stan and Joni stuff is just... Ah, it's great. Karis Pollard says, This is really quite a new comic book day this week. My pull list had six of the very best. Avengers, Captain America, Ms. Marvel, Domino, Unstoppable Wasp, and Infinity Warps. Wow. Wow, indeed. Yeah, she got a good bunch, and I believe I have hooked her on Exiles. Ooh. Ha, 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 ha. He caught you in his exile web. 
Karis also says Domino was Tracy's This Week in Marvel of the Week. This Week in Marvel of the Week. I love it because it's so dumb. Doesn't make any sense. And no, it's great. And it needs to make no sense. And it's hard to disagree. Action, a conclusion, and great dialogue and humor. Dense pages with a lot going on, too, which was great after some of the others this week. I love this team, both creating and in the pages. Last one in here from Thai Avenger. Kayada Lopez says, Thank you this week at Marvel for sharing your most intimate memories of Stanley. You had me in tears the entire time. It means so much to all of us hearing the special moments. Thank you. You guys are going to make us cry all over yeah. again. All right, time for our question of the week. And earlier I talked about the Hella Hot Toys figure and the holidays are coming up. So what Marvel thing do you really want this holiday season? Is it a toy? Is it a movie? Is it a vinyl soundtrack from Mondo? Is it a high five from one of your favorite This Week in Marvel hosts? Is it whatever it is? Let us know. Use hashtag This Week in Marvel or you can hit us up on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash This Week in Marvel or you can email us at twimpodcast at marvel.com yeah yeah just for fair warning i'm very serious about high fives mm. i know all the secrets like looking at the other person's elbow mm-hmm. and also i am stronger than i look and i will really hurt you but it's a great high five i give really good high fives there you go yeah on that note we'll be back next week i'm ryan and i'm jamie and this is marvel your universe